Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by legendary boxing trainer, the great Teddy Atlas, and today's special guest, all the way from the presidential palace in Cameroon, the great Francis Ngannou. <laughs> Welcome to the show, champ. Okay. How are you doing, Ken? Good. Very nice to have you. Thank you. Nice to be here, too. Hi, Francis. How are you? Hey, Teddy. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice to uh, see you. Uh, nice to hear from you, sir. You say honor. How is every How is everything in your home there in Cameroon? How's How's everything going there? Ah, uh, everything is good. You know, it's peaceful. I'm here, like enjoy my family. We've been like um, doing the family reunion for like uh, the past two weeks. Uh, each weekend and he has been awesome because it's a opportunity to meet uh, different family, different member of the family and uh, to see those one that you know them already and to have to talk, you know, to greet, enjoy, take news and uh, follow up with what's going on in, the, in their life. I know that you've used your success to help the people of Cameroon in the village where you were born and raised. Uh, you started a foundation uh, that that has built a gym there, that is equipping a gym, that is basically giving children of that small village in Cameroon uh, an opportunity to dream a dream uh, like you and to be like you and to have an opportunity to, to reach things that they might not have had an opportunity to reach before or to believe that they could reach because all reach starts with belief. Can you talk about that? I think it's great work. I think it, it makes you special. Mm. Uh, first of all, I'm very flattered that you said uh, such a great thing about it. But, you know, um, it's just like... Um, like, uh, you know, I, I grew up here and I always loved combat sport. And I was, uh, since I was a kid, I was expecting somebody to maybe come here and build a gym or uh, so we can, I can train since I knew that was my dream and that's what, want, what I wanted to do. But I never had that, that opportunity. And then uh, as soon as I get uh, the chance when I was in France, I started I, start, I started to think about it and, you know, I started to put a piece of things together to build a gym. Then after that, I realized that uh, there's a lot of needs uh, needy out here. So it's not just about like one gym and that's it. That's why we build it under the foundation and um, because we are expected to build more, many gyms uh, under the foundation so we can allow those kids not uh, not just to like maybe uh, become a uh, uh, athlete an at, uh, athlete or martial artist but uh, it's just like a personal development you know like uh, growing up in a small place like this a small village many people lose hope and they, they, they don't believe about anything because uh, it seems to be too far and very quick they just drop their hands and uh, give up uh, their dream their, um, yes and give up their dream so we we think i think that um, 
building the foundation like the, the facility at, as we build uh, and keep, keep running it will give more hope to other kids maybe not just to be an athlete but uh, just to like uh, to teach them uh, about life uh, to, to make them know that uh, even when you take a punch and you went down the floor when you take a knock, knockdown it's not game over you know you can come back from the knockdown and win the fight and even though you don't win the fight after the knockdown uh, when you get up after a knockdown and at the end even when uh, your opponent uh, wins the fight you have this personal uh, satisfaction inside you like it's something that you cannot explain you're so happy you cannot explain because you're so, you're so just so happy even if you lost but you're just so happy to uh, to not give up uh, because um, it took you a lot of courage uh, to get up when you, when you was down and your opponent was there ready to to knock you down again and you was down feeling really bad the best i mean the most comfort that um, comfort situation would have been to stay down but you keep uh, standing up so at that point you're happy about yourself and the same thing goes with the life you know um, i mean i think in the life uh, just the succeed is like um, a matter of hope as somebody who has somebody who has hope uh, will never be poor somebody who believes in his in himself will never be poor even if he doesn't have money in the bank or in the pocket if he even if he has a uh, debt but this guy will never be poor with uh, with this because uh, self-believing and hope I think for me is the fundamental of um, wealthy. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, so that's why we are working on uh, on this project and as much as it goes uh, I mean, he get me excited and more committed so like for now we have like a charity uh, i have a charity event that i'm uh, uh, organizing with some um comedian out here we're gonna fight like uh you know but uh but we're gonna take the opportunity we're gonna take the uh the light to put the op uh, to promote the foundation and trying to raise money to build another gym in the uh, southwest region uh, which is like um, uh, the english zone in cameroon so it's going to be our second gym so we are trying to raise funds to build to build that uh, so the kid of from that side will also have something as kid for uh, a year and uh, we are expecting to extend it uh, all uh, around the country. Well, before we finish this interview, why don't Ken will make sure that he he mentions the foundation and how people can donate to it, and I'll get people started on the right track, thinking the right way by donating three thousand dollars right now to your foundation. 
Uh, that would be awesome. I think um, the foundation would be grateful from, for that. Like, you know, uh, in the US, we might just say number like $3,000 and something. But it's just impressive how it could be helpful here. You know, like sometimes you said uh, some used shoes or some used clothes that you don't even uh, think about it, uh, how it could be useful. Like when you have a chance to bring it here, uh, it's just so helpful for those kids who doesn't have like shoes or clothes. So that's why for the foundation, we um, we collect everything that we can. The donation, you can give the money from the uh, Francis Foundation, um, francisenganofoundation.com. We have the donate uh, the link. But uh, also we collect any kind of materials that you can give, uh, which is needed, uh, notebook, uh, um, backpack, uh, shoes, clothes, everything that can be donated, we collect it from, uh, we collect it from, uh, for the kids and we ship, we ship it out here for the kids. Well, I, I have a foundation that helps people in need. We've been, running it for 23 years. It's called the Dr. Atlas Foundation. We, we help impoverished uh, families that they might have a sick child and they can't, their insurance does not pay for the treatment that they need. We step in and we pay for the treatment. They may need surgery. They might have to fly out of town for the surgery. We fly them out of town for the surgery and take care of it. So this donation will come from my foundation to yours. Um, you can buy whatever you need uh, to help these kids. And I just want to say thank you for being that person, for being so strong in more ways than just physical ways. Uh, you know, anybody could be strong physically, but to be strong in a way that you are spiritually, uh, caring about other people, that's a true strength. And I believe that's your greatest strength. I believe that to win the world title, that the next time you fight for it, that will be the strength that you will pull from. Yes, you'll pull from your size. Yes, you'll pull from your drone with bad intentions like Mike Tyson. I know you're a Tyson fan. <laughs> I know that, you know that he inspired you at the beginning. And yeah. I know you have... I know they call you the Tyson of the UFC, and I know you have power like him, and I know you were born with power because punches are born and not made. But to me, your greatest strength is what we're talking about, your strength inside of you to be able to care about more than yourself. That's what makes you strong enough to be a champion. That's what made Muhammad Ali strong enough. Yeah, he was fast. Yeah, he was strong when he had to be. He had great, great physical attributes, but his greatest strength was his belief that he had to help others, that he was doing something in the name of something bigger than him. That was his greatest strength. And I believe that's all of our greatest strengths if we allow it to be. And I believe it's your greatest strength. So best of luck with that. And now I'll talk about a little bit of boxing. How did you... Thank you. I, I, oh, you're welcome, Francis. Thank I'm you. Very, Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm, very Thank you. I'm very honored. 
and uh, flattered. I'm very happy of what you're saying. And uh, yes, I will keep, we will keep going. But uh, yes, but first of all, we are like, uh, uh, thank you also for you guys to be uh, our inspiration by uh, being the one that start uh, to build, to make like foundation to help people. So uh, technically you guys are leading the way. So thank you all too. Thank you, Francis. How did you become a Mike Tyson fan? Uh, you know, where did that start? Where, where, did that, where did that begin? You know, like, um, I remember I was like kids by the uh, early 90s. And then uh, I was hearing, they were talking about Mike Tyson, but I, I didn't know Mike Tyson. I was a kid and we didn't have TV, a TV as we were very poor and uh, I could, uh, a year can go by without uh, us watching TV. So I couldn't follow that up, but um, I, I heard about him a lot because I was very interested about everything, which is like movie and fighting, but uh, I didn't have the opportunity and I keep dreaming, believing until I was like 22 years old and I started, I went to the gym, I stopped everything that I was, uh, I was doing and then I found the gym in another, I moved to another city to start a boxing and that's when um, uh, I start to like really understand the process of Mike Tyson even though I didn't watch him and uh, like two, two years after that, four years after that, so basically like eight years ago, I started to go on YouTube and started to watch like Mike Tyson fights, like uh, his videos. That's when I really like enjoyed because he was like heavyweight, strong, but the way he moves, the way he boxed, he was like uh, the academic boxing, you know. You can put the Mike Tyson video and teach a five years old kid how to box with a Mike Tyson video because he wasn't like hands up, hands down and this. He was like a perfect stand as they teach you in the first boxing class how to put to raise your hand, put your guard, how to move, how to dodge everything. And uh, this guy was doing it in a professional fight, and he was still doing it as he was um, uh, the he was still using the fundamental mental uh, boxing and do it perfectly so I get so excited about that and then yes he has power and people I think uh, that power uh, size uh, blame people to see that technical uh, side of Mike Thousand because the way he moves that allowed him to be to be on his balance and uh, execute his uh, combination and everything and get it stronger. You know, people didn't uh, see that. They just see, oh, he's knocking people down. But uh, what I'm more fascinated, fascinating about it is just the way that he moves and everything seems perfect. He was on the balance. And when he threw if the uppercut, you see, it's like a body, uh, his body weight. His body weight was on any punches, the way moving, the club, the footwork, everything was so great, yes. He has, power, uh, he, he has power, but 
uh, I'll, I always be impressed of his te technical side than his power. Francis, you, you probably know this, but you're talking to the early architect of all that movement and all that technique, obviously with Customato, but Teddy was the one in the ring with him from day one every day for years and years to develop that technique. And like I said, I, I'm sure you probably know this, but and I know Teddy's not going to tell you this, but I want to tell you that I've seen him work this technique and, and, and give instructions on different videos that we've done. And um, yeah, it's nice to hear you say that because I think that that's lost on a lot of people is that what made him great was his technique. And that technique came from years of training and uh, discipline that Teddy instilled in him. Yes, and a perfect shot. And um, yes, um, I want to take also the opportunity because yes, what you're saying, uh, I have heard about it already. Uh, because as I said, I never like watched my dozen fight on life, and uh, I heard about uh, Terry. And um, yes, by the by the way, I think um, Eddie can help me too because I'm a fan of that that kind of work. And uh, I'm really open about that since I'm ex I'm, I want to cross over and go to the boxing, you know. I want to, like, take the good habit and go back to, like, a boxing school. No, like, okay, just go there and fight, but go back to, like, boxing school, uh, basically from the one who made, who, um, who I'm uh, inspired by. Hey guys, just want to take a moment to give a quick shout out to our sponsors today. Today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie. Check them out at MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code ATLAS for up to 50% credit on your first deposit. Huge event coming up this weekend in Vegas, UFC, Daniel Cormier, uh, Stipe Miocic. It's going to be a battle. I'm looking forward to this one myself. Stay tuned to the episode here. We're going to ask Francis for his pick. So if you like for what Francis has to say, take his advice. Check him out at mybookie.ag. Again, use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for up to 50% credit on your first play. And good luck. Uh, additionally, we'd like to thank uh, dynamicstriking.com for working with us. Teddy filmed a uh, series of boxing uh, technique videos for these guys. They've worked with all the biggest names in, in BJJ, um, some of the legendary coaches, and Teddy's the first boxing coach they've worked with, and a lot of people write in and ask us for his opinion on different training techniques. If you're interested, this is where you can learn everything. Once again, dynamicstriking.com. Use the promo code TEDDY20 for 20% off your purchase. He Teddy goes over all kinds of different technique um, practice, best practices. He talks about proper pad work, shadow boxing, heavy bag exercises, and a lot more. Again, if you're interested in learning about the fundamentals of boxing, this is the best video out there. You're smart. You know, that's part of being a champion, not just having the physical abilities and, you know, qualities, but the intellect to, to be smart enough to know what you need to do and how to do it. You, you, that becomes very apparent as you speak. Um, and that's another one of your, well, one of your assets that's probably one of your greatest assets that you're smart enough to want to learn, to understand that it's about more than just genetics. It's about more than just pure power. It's about how do I use it and how do I use it 
in difficult environments. And you're 100% right about Tyson. If Tyson was, didn't have the technique to expose guys, to make the miss and put himself in position to score and unload his great power, if he didn't have that technique, well, he would have been just another guy with power, just another strong guy. He yeah. wouldn't have been as successful and as, quite frankly, as effective as he was. Ernie Chavis, for example, great power, great right hand, never won a world title. Now, there was some good fighters around then. One of them was named Ali, but there were other opportunities for him too. But he didn't have the, the delivery system to go with the power. You know, it's one thing to have the power. It's another thing to have to style the delivery system, the technique that you're talking about to put yourself in position to make best use of it. So you're 100% right. I got to tell you something, though, um, Francis. Don't – you asked me something a moment ago about help. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that to you if it's okay. Or at least I'm going to intend okay. – I'm going to intend to give it to you. Um, that's my intention, and I hope it does give you help. First of all, a fighter must have his own identity. He must understand what that identity is. You're remarkable. I'll tell you why you're remarkable. You started very late, very late, and you had a yeah. very tough upbringing. And I think that's part of your success, to be quite frankly, uh, quite frank, is the way you dealt with that upbringing and where you allowed it to take you and what you allowed it to teach you. So... And, and a little later, I want you to talk about your upbringing because it's, it's a heck of a story. It's a great story. But right now, a fighter must have an identity. He must know what he is when he gets in the ring. You, for me, would not be the peekaboo Tyson style. Yes, you have power like Tyson, but you have to use it in a different way because Tyson was short. He didn't have the physical assets that you have as far as length, as far as height. You're 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you got long arms. You have different physical attributes that were given to you by your parents, by God, whatever you believe in, your, your genetics. You must learn to use those to their best, to their most effective state. And when, when you're 6'4", I would not recommend the peekaboo style where you're giving up your height and you're, you're coming in close in that sort of way. You could use it in spots, don't get me wrong, moving after your punch, making a guy miss, being in position. You could do those things. But for me, your identity should be tall. It should be use that range, use, use those long arms, use that height. You're... Your identity style-wise, if I was to pick a fighter off the top of my head, would be George Foreman. That's your style. To keep the guy at the end of your punches, to make it impossible for them to close distance. What are they going to try to do? That's what you have to understand. A tall guy like you, they're not going to stand up to your power. They're going to try to get in low to your legs, take you on the floor, take you to another place, take you to the grappling, to that place. So... You want to be George Foreman. You want to keep them on the outside where you make it very difficult 
for them to get in. For them to get in, they have to go to a very difficult neighborhood and maybe get hurt, get mugged going through that neighborhood. You know, sometimes you go to a bad neighborhood and it's dangerous. You could get you could get mugged by somebody. That's your style. It's to keep them on the outside and not allow guys to make real estate. Charge them for real estate. Instead of charging dollars, you charge punches. For every foot that they're trying to make on you, you charge them four punches. That's a big price. That's a price that most of them can't afford. They can't afford to get hit with four punches by you. And also, develop an uppercut. I know you're working on it, don't get me wrong, but develop an uppercut because as they try to come close, they're gonna make themselves vulnerable to that punch because they're gonna lean to get close. And the uppercut can be very effective, just like it was for George Foreman against Joe Frazier, a shorter, aggressive fighter who never got a chance to get close to do what he wanted to do. So for me, that's your identity. And I would say from watching one of your tapes that you, when you're aggressive and you're getting plenty of opportunities now to be aggressive, why? Because you have power. You have a reputation because most of the fighters now, they know that your power, they know what it, what it is. So in a lot of cases, they're going to move away from your power. So you're going to get opportunities to be aggressive, but you have to be aggressive in an efficient way, an effective way, a proper way, a smart way. You, you let your upper body sometimes get ahead of your legs. I noticed that. Now, don't get me wrong. You still got results. You still knocked the guy out because he went straight back. You followed him and you caught him. But sometimes when you go after them, you got to be a little more under control and you got to make sure your legs are there. You got to make sure that the legs are there, that your upper body doesn't get ahead of your legs, that your legs are with you so that you can deliver the package, the package of punches. You don't want to throw punch. You don't want to throw packages outside of, from the window of a car while the car's moving because you're, you're not going to get the packages where you want to get them. Well, it's the same things with punches. As the car's moving, as your body's moving, you don't want to throw the punches ahead of the, from the, outside the car. You want to make sure that the car is there. You want to make sure, again, that your legs are there. When you're coming forward, your upper body does not get ahead of your legs, where you lose your balance, you lose your position, you lose your accuracy. You want to be balanced. You want to be in position. There was a fighter, Joe Lewis. He was a great fighter. He was always balanced. He was a heavyweight champ of the world. He was always in position. He was never out of position because his legs were there before his upper body. For me, Francis, work on when you do come forward, make sure your legs are underneath you. Do not allow the upper body to get ahead of the legs. You need your legs underneath you. Then you can use your power. Then you can throw those punches consistently instead of throwing one or two, and then maybe you're out of position and the guy can take advantage of you then and get to you. You want to be balanced. You want to be efficient, effective. So for me, it would start with when you come forward, make sure your legs are there 
not your upper body ahead of your legs. And make sure you tighten the punches up a little bit, that they're straight and a little, just a little bit more shorter. So you have more control over them, more accuracy. And again, if you miss, and we all miss, you're not going to lose your position. You're not going to give the other guy <coughs> an opportunity to counter you, to take advantage of you, to have you out of position. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I truly, uh, I truly appreciate that. Uh, I understand that. And um, yeah, basically on my last fight, uh, as I said, I want, um, I won the fight, but there were a lot of mistakes on that fight, which is uh, when I watched the tape again, and uh, that wasn't a good fight for me, you know. Even though I had a win, but um, in general, it wasn't, it wasn't a You're good wrong. fight. It, yeah. was, it was a very good fight for you. I'll tell you why. Number one, you got a good result. Number two, what you're saying right now, you're smart enough to learn from it. It gave you an opportunity to correct something that's wrong. And that's, that's a great fight. That's a great fight. That, that means that that fight, not only did you win, it gave you an opportunity to learn, to know what you need to do better before yeah. it's too late. That's a great fight for you. Yeah. Yeah. See, see that way. Yes, that's true. Francis, speaking of the last fight, I've noticed that you've used the uncrowned champ hashtag on your um, on your Instagram posts. Have you been promised a shot at the title next? And if not, what is next? And then I want to talk to you about the, this upcoming fight with Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. Yes, so um, it's not official, but... Uh... The promise to give me uh, the title fight after Stipe and DC. So um, I'm going to wait to see after uh, this weekend. We're going to see what's going on, you know. So um, you know, we just have five days and then we will be settled and know what next. For our friends at my bookie, who's a big sponsor of the show, everyone will want to know before they make their wagers on mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Atlas for fifty percent credit on your first deposit. Who do you think is going to win that fight and why? Um, honestly, it's a very tough fight because, like, uh, they won uh, one is one 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 on one, and then. Um, even though Stipe won the second fight, he was getting beat up by uh, Daniel Cormier. I agree. And, uh, yes, but he, find, he found a way to keep an uh, intelligent way to win the fight. And um, he, did, he, he won the fight. He did it. So, and both of them have, has the, have the ability to... Uh, to win the fight, to finish the fight at some point. But uh, I will say uh, DC has a little bit more chance over Stipe to win the fight. I think you're right. But Francis, for, for the people that are not aware of this, uh, Miochik 
is the champion, of course, and he's he's fighting a fight with DC in a rematch. And most likely you're going to get the winner if they continue fighting because Miocek is uh, 38 years old and DC has already said that that will be his last fight, that he's going to retire. So it looks like you either get Miocek for the possibly for the rematch and or your the figure Dana White will figure out who you're going to fight for the vacant title but you had won 10 straight fights and then you lost for the world title to Miocic you lost the decision yeah tell me tell me that fight affected you a lot because after that fight you lost another fight a fight where there wasn't much action. You didn't. You weren't yourself. You weren't letting your hands go. You weren't as aggressive. Uh, either one of you in the fight was, and and then you got back on a four-fight win streak, which you're on now. But I know this business, knowing fight business, that that fight with Mielczyk, who was much more experienced than you, it it affected you. Tell me. Tell me about that fight, and tell me what that fight did for you, what you've learned from that fight. You know, um, after that fight, the same night at the press conference, uh, I remember I said this, um, I learned more in one night than I have learned in uh, four years practicing this sport. That was my first time uh ever to go like three round not only three round but five round in the fight uh after winning that fight straight i don't know um i mean i never give i think i underestimate i underestimate Stevie, you know which which is a huge mistake because uh, i never underestimate my opponent until that fight but i did it and uh, the outcome didn't uh, didn't prove me the outcome proved me wrong to do it, to do it. But um, for the experience, I've I've learned a lot from that fight, and um, than than any other fight. Then after that fight, I think I was so concerned about. Uh, some aspect that I didn't know, uh, some mistake that I did on uh, the Stipe fight. So that's what happened in the Lewis fight. I went there uh, and then I was telling myself, myself, stay patient because on the Stipe fight, I rushed too much. But I didn't uh, find a, a balance of patient and rushing, but uh, I went to another extremity, you know, instead of like, trying to mix it a little bit aggressivity and patient i went i've been too much patient so uh i wasn't there for this for to fight i wasn't there to fight um lewis i was still fighting uh Stipe in my mind i was still dealing with the Stipe fight because i was telling myself be patient you have time you have time you're gonna have the opportunity the opportunity you're gonna have the opportunity I was even surprised at the end of the fight. I was like, okay, that's it? Is it over? Because 
I thought I have time and I didn't see time uh, fly, uh, flies by. And uh, so I, understand, I understood that I have to mix it from patient and aggressivity, trying to throw something, try to stay busy, uh, not throwing myself, not moving my upper body uh, ahead of my food or something like that. So exactly what you were talking about, to stay active, to try to throw punches. So that's what happened. And then after the Lewis fight, I understood that then for the next fight, I just went there to say, okay, you know what? I have rushed and didn't get the right outcome. I have slowed down to be patient and didn't have it right outcome so uh how why don't i just fight as i used to fight and i was there like okay to accept what happened to happen because uh first i was more concerned about me losing a fight than to fight you know so for the next fight i'm like uh okay what happens happens i can lose a fight but i have to fight and fight properly and uh that's how i I won the next fight and the next fight, and yeah, we are. Francis, one of the things that Teddy mentioned earlier in the um, in the conversation was about your journey from Cameroon to um, to eventually to France and then to the UFC. And um, I'd like to talk to you about that because I have an adopted daughter who I adopted as a newborn baby from Ethiopia. So I've been to Africa. My wife lived there for two months. And I know from firsthand experience how distant that can seem when you're there to versus being in the U.S. Can you talk about your motivation to come to, to go to Europe and then eventually to the U.S. and what that journey was like and how your experience in Spain and your, I believe, temporary incarceration in Spain for entering illegally, how that affected you? And maybe just talk quickly to the, to, through the whole journey to get to the point where you're at now because it's an unbelievable story, especially, like I said, when you've seen this little village you're in in Cameroon to get to where you're at now, an international superstar. Yes, I was like 26 years old, like when I understood that uh, there is no chance for me out here in Cameroon, then I decided to find my opportunity somewhere. Um, so I, 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 I left and I went country after country from Morocco, from Cameroon to Nigeria, Nigeria to Morocco, to Niger, from Niger to Algeria, uh, by <coughs> through the uh, Saharan uh, Sahara, uh, Desert. So then um, from Algeria now to Morocco, that um, I spent one year in Morocco trying to cross the trying to cross the continent to go to Europe. And that was a hell of one year because I made a lot of uh, attempts who didn't work. And, uh, you know, it was just like being in hell, you know. We've been in some situation that at some point you didn't care as much even about your life. Even today, I think about something that we did out there, some uh, how we expose ourselves, our lives, and uh, I still don't believe it because even though I was the one doing it, 
it was just so difficult as a moment, you know, to live in the forest, being tracking and chasing um, as a rat, as the animal. We have to go eat in the trash, you know, uh, rotten food. We we eat those like man, and um, I was even surprised that um, we get uh, out there healthy because it was just an abomination. And then after that, uh, luckily after one year, um, I made it in Europe, but we get castrated by um, the friend um, Homeland by the Spain Homeland Security for about two months. Then after, when they free us because they didn't know where we came from. We didn't have no ID. We, we make it uh, purposely not to have a, uh, something on you who can identify you. Because if they identify you, where you came from truly, they will, you will get deported. So um, we make sure not to get anything on us. And that's how we finally, um, we finally make it um, in Spain, and after two months, they free us. And I went in Paris, which um, I didn't know nobody there, and uh, didn't have no money. But by the time, I was just so um, excited and happy, you know, because I was just uh, free. I, I just get free in Europe to be like in Europe that I wanted for so long and uh, that I can have the opportunity that I always needed. So, yes, in Paris, I was, I found a parking lot, who was my new home, my first home in Europe, uh, for a few months before having friends who heard me. But um, the controversial thing is like, um, when I was sleeping in the parking lot, so, Sometimes thinking about it, it seems like very tough, very difficult as a situation. But um, at that moment, I didn't feel it as a tough situation because I was so happy. I was so excited for the new opportunity that I had. I was like, okay, here we are. This is the land of opportunity. This is what I always wanted, just an opportunity. I was so excited and happy the way that people that I, I met would, would, tell, would tell me that, hey, man, you know, calm down, don't overexpect because you might get disappointed. You know, uh, Paris is not, I mean, Europe in general is not just like a paradise that uh, every, you just get everything for free. And that's, I, uh, I always tell them, you know, um, I'm not expect. I never expect that I will find somewhere and on earth, and it will just be like a heaven on earth. I mean, but I believe that with an with opportunity, I can create my own little paradise, and um, and that and there was always like, well, whatever. We just warn you, so just be aware. But I was just so excited from that moment. And uh, the next day, I found a gym. 
And I went straight up. I told them, I told them the truth. I said, listen, I just came here. I don't have no money. I can't afford the membership. I can't pay for nothing. I don't have no money, not even a place to sleep. But I'm not asking for that. I just want a place that I can keep training because I want to be a world champion. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, for some people, uh, it seems like that was kind of like cocky. You know, they have been there for 10 years trying to be a world champion and uh, never made it. And you just came from nowhere and you want to be a world champion like they're, like they are just, they are not worth it. Like they are not working work enough to become a world champion. But, you know, it was, I was just explaining my uh, excitement, my uh my um, yes, my excitement. But however, uh, I still go. They still gave me credit because okay, they say yes. Uh, six foot guy, about uh, two hundred and fifty or sixty pound by then, two hundred and fifty pound. I mean, let's see what he gets. And that's how uh, they allowed me to train there for free and things. I didn't know MMA by the MMA by the time, and um, yes, after two weeks, they started talk to me about MMA, and I wasn't even interested in about MMA. But somehow things keep uh, going on, and uh, I even changed the gym, and I went to some gym who was like uh, specialized in MMA. And um, two years after, uh, after that. I found myself with the UFC contract and that was the beginning of everything. Hey, Francis. Yes, Daddy. Can, can, we, can we clone you and make <laughs> about a million of you and bring you over to this country? Because what you just said, and I'm being so sincere about this, what you just said so many people should hear that. So many people that complain about what they don't have instead of seeing what they do have could learn and be helped and prosper from you. I would like to clone you, make a million of you, and bring you over here. The world would become better in one day. In one day. And I just had to say that because there's too many people that make excuses for what they can't do instead of reasons for what they can do. And you found reasons for what you could do and can do and wanted to do. I just want to tell you that I'm proud to know to be able to talk to you. And I wish you nothing but luck. And I have no doubt, no doubt, just like I know that I'm going to get up, at least I think I am, I'm going to get up and walk out of here when the interview's over with, I have no doubt that you will be a champion because you're already a champion as a human being. Now all you have to do is the rest of the, the journey, which is to become a world champion as an athlete, as an as a MMA UFC fighter. And I have no doubt the first part comes first. That has to be there first. It's kind of like there has to be an engine in a car before the car can go anywhere. You have the engine. You have the engine. The engine's there. All you have to do now is drive the car. You're going to be a world champion. 
Thank you, Teddy. I will do whatever um, whatever you want, the interview and uh, everything. But yes, uh, that's, that's also um, the philosophy that I have adopted, you know. Um, I mean, like when you get from some point to some point uh, uh, on the way, you understand many things which is one of the, the things that I have understand in life uh, by in my journey is that, you know, the rich, the richest person is not the person who has a lot of money, a lot of uh, belonging, a lot of uh, staff houses, real estate or investment. But because you can see some, uh, you can see some people who has like million or billion, but they are still poor in their mind as long as they don't realize, as long as they don't have a, a, a wisdom to appreciate what they have, they, keep, they will keep tracking, following what they don't have, and they, miss, they, don't, they, didn't, they don't give time to what they have, and they don't even enjoy it and appreciate it. And, um, and that's how even the poor person, which is uh, what I used to be, like, uh, I always like uh, to make it, not too difficult for me. I always find a way to like appreciate, to find something that I have to appreciate it. And that always hurt me to feel like I'm not poor. So, I mean, I always keep my heads up, uh, my shins up, uh, face up and like uh, move my, my chest. Like, okay, we're gonna make it. Even sometimes I didn't have money, but I never, bend my chin down, you know, because I always find something that I have um, instead of count something that I don't have because whatever you have, there's too many things that you don't have. And whatever you need, there's too many things that you have. So it's just a matter of like a glass of wine half full and half empty. Francis, you mentioned earlier that um, you would like to try your hand at uh, professional boxing. Is that something that you've seriously contemplated? And could you see yourself making the move full time or maybe just for a one off here and there like a Conor McGregor type? No, not like a Conor McGregor type. I am expecting to like maybe do some few uh, fight in a boxing, like real crossover as a uh, boxing because as a bo uh, as a boxer because that was my first dream even before before I discovered what was MMA. I discovered what this MMA like um, seven years ago, but uh, I grew up for like over twenty years with a, a boxing dream in my in my heart. So it's kind of like very hard to throw away a dream like that. I think it's one of my achievements uh, to cross over for myself. Obviously, I will expect, I will uh, go for what is best from boxing, which is like the world title, but uh, just um, for my personal satisfaction, satisfaction uh, for my childhood dream, I want to accomplish a dream of becoming a boxer. As my How much time do you spend now between boxing and grappling? Like what as a percentage? Is it 50-50 or what is it? Um, the breakout of, of time 
he's gonna be like 50-50. But uh, I have I have to point out something here because uh, the boxing that we do in MMA is not the same boxing that they're gonna do in the boxing match. You know, right. we yes. even our boxing is set up is set up to fight somebody. We're gonna try to take you down, so you always keep your hand down. You know, you never raise your hand uh, up, uh, up, all the way up uh, to your chin, or your ear, or something like that, because you, at the meantime, you're gonna strike, but you're gonna get ready for the takedown, or to stop a kick, or to kick yourself, or to take down yourself. So it's not the same posture. It's not the same setup, because like. The professional boxing um, takes a lot of technique and precision than MMA boxing. You know, like uh, I remember how, when I started boxing, like I could, we could, we could have like spent uh, 30 minutes or one hour just to work on how you move, how you raise your hand, how you uh, 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 block uh, a body shot or something very a little thing we will work on it for hours and hours but in mma we we don't do that kind of stuff we we have a lot of things to do and we kind of like break it down like this nothing very precise so even though in mma boxing is included in mma we can i'm i know for for fact that the box the mma boxing is not enough to like uh, compare to the professional boxing which is a very specific work and even when i have to when i'm gonna uh, cross over it, it's gonna take me like it's gonna take me a long time many months maybe uh, one year to like go back to the basic and work on my boxing because it's two different things is it is it might be like just find how to knock somebody out to beat somebody but it's a different setup that's that's great uh i, I think it would be uh interesting to see you in the boxing ring because you pointed out something very interesting and, and very true and that is that boxing is a very specific skill set that takes very specific skills training unrelated to MMA maybe Teddy can talk about that and the differences that he sees no you that's why I told you one of the impressive things about Francis is that he's intelligent and he he understands what you need to understand and what you need to learn for me again Francis for you in a boxing it would be a little bit of what you touched on. You learned the lesson when you fought for the title and you lost to Milchik a decision. You learned a lot of things in that fight. And really what beat you the most was the experience or the lack of experience. Not knowing that you belong there, that you could go the distance, that you can handle that level. It's very important for a fighter to know those things. And that comes with experience uh, to understand that. But in the next fight, the fight with Lewis, as you said, very honestly, you were waiting too much. That's what we say in boxing. You're waiting too much. You're not getting off. And it was because, again, your intelligence. You, you, didn't, you knew what you did wrong. You didn't know how to correct it yet, but you knew that what you didn't want to do. You didn't want to 
reach in. You didn't want to expose yourself. You didn't want to get sloppy. You didn't want to get out of position. So the only way you knew how to do that and control that from happening was to be patient, was to, to wait and to, you know, and the only problem was you were too patient because you didn't couple the know-how with the experience of at least acknowledgement and understanding that you had to be patient, but really what you had to be was under control. Now you learn it's not so much about patience. You can still throw punches, but you have to throw them under control. You have to throw them at the right time. You have to throw them with the right balance. You have to throw them from the right distance. You have to throw them in the right position. And for me, that's what you need to concentrate on is again, the George Foreman style, where your feet are set, you draw a line in the sand, instead of the sand that's in the canvas, you draw a line, you don't let the guys come past that line, and you're ready to punch, you use a jab, your jab should be like a foam pole, you know, it should be like a foam pole, where it comes out straight and hard, and it, it disrupts guys, it hurts guys, it gets the respect of guys, just like George Foreman's did. It discombobulates people. Your jab should be like that, where you control range, you establish distance, and you set up your other punches. And it takes care of defense uh, to a certain extent too. And where you're always set to punch, where you're not falling in, as we said earlier, where your upper body does not get ahead of your legs, where, you, where you're able to always be in a proper position. So guys don't get you out of position where now they can get into you, they can get into your legs. And I would say that you want to be able to, with your striking, keep the guys outside so that they can't get into your legs. They can't get on the floor. If you get on the floor, you did your practice with your grappling, as you just told Ken. You did your practice with your jujitsu. You did your practice with the wrestling so you could deal with it. But you should try to avoid going down there. And part of that is to control range where guys can't get into your legs. And if they do, they pay a price, a big price, a heavy price. Maybe a price with that uppercut. And one other thing. I saw a little video of you doing some of these Tyson punches. And not bad. Not bad. Uh, power, pretty good snap with your shoulder. You're throwing with bad intentions. The only thing I would say, you were throwing the uppercut. You were throwing the punch to the body and then the uppercut. The only thing I would say to you is two things. Get underneath it a little more. So it's no, it's not the arm, it's the shoulder. So you get underneath it a little more, bang, it's all, it's all shoulder, bump, bump, not arm, and your legs. Bend a little bit. I used to say to the fighters, Francis, I want you to use the floor. What do you mean, Teddy? I want you to use the floor. I want you to hit the guy with the floor. I know you can't pick up the floor and hit them, but you grab the floor with your legs. You bend your legs and you become part of the floor. And the floor becomes part of your power. And from the floor, from your legs, you grab the power and the punch gets driven up. Whoa! Hey! 
right from the floor with your legs underneath you. That's where you get the full power. Obviously, you get a snap in your shoulder, you get a pivot in your waist. You talked about it earlier. You get a rotation where you pivot in your waist, where the power could be shifted to where it needs to be shifted. This way you get the, the weight into the punch without losing position, but you grab the floor. You, you get underneath, you bend those legs a little bit, whoa, right from the floor. And you knock the guy out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you ready a, to what go? A, what, a, what a passion. <laughs> what a passion. <laughs> you, yeah. I'm talking to a guy with passion. I'm talking to a guy who, who lives his life with passion. That's why you are where you are. Because of passion. Because of, because of hope. Because of, of belief. Your belief gives hope, and it gives hope to a lot of people. Just by doing this conversation, you're going to give hope and belief to a lot of people. Thank you, Didi. Thank you very much. Hey, Francis, another, another video that we saw recently of you was um, Ryan Garcia, who was our last guest on this show. I saw him uh, throwing some body punches on you with your Gymshark uh, body armor on, and I'm curious to know. I see some people can't take those shots, but you almost seem to like brush him off. Like, let me know when you're going to start. <laughs> How was his power? <laughs> For a little guy. A lot of mosqu- a lot, listen, we love Ryan Garcia. Well, he's a good kid. He, he knows how to behave like a human being, not just a fighter. He's a young kid. He's only going to get better. I think he'll win a world title. He's a smart kid. He's, a, he's, a, he's been brought up right. He's a terrific kid. But come on. You must have been like, there's mosquitoes. In this <laughs> there's like, yes, there's, I'm, there's I'm almost. He left the window open. Yes, I'm, I'm almost twice his weight. So, uh, and he's very uh, powerful um, for his weight class. For a mosquito, for a mosquito. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm almost twice his weight. So, yes, I used to like heavy heavy shot. (laughs) (laughs) In that video, all I could think was, there's a lot of talent in that video between you and him. You guys are both at the top of your uh, crafts. Yeah, I think uh, no, he's more. Uh, he's more. He's got more experience more in the boxing. He, yes, yeah, more skills, more. He's more, he's, he's more mean, developed. He's, you're, yes, yes, you're, he's you're very, still a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. He might be younger than me, but he has more experience and. Uh, yeah, he's got more set. experience. He started when he was a kid. He had a lot of amateur fights, yeah. which you didn't have the ability to have. But you have something that a lot of people don't have. You have the character of life, the journey of life that has blessed you, that has forged you, that has created you um, and made you strong enough for the mission that's in front of you. You have that mental toughness. You have that resolve. You have that, as I talk to fighters sometimes, you have that lantern of, of character and knowledge of where you've been and, you can, and where you want to go. And you can take that lantern and you could use it as a light when you go into these new places 
these dark places. You can use it as a light. I know where I'm going. I know where I want to go. I know where I must go. That is a lot more than a lot of people have that have much more experience than you, but they don't have that. Use it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Francis, we've got some questions from the fans, if you don't mind, before we wrap up. Maybe I ask you some of the questions that the fans wrote in. And these were the, some of the most popular questions. Uh, the first one was from uh, from Adam Hartley. Says, "How do you think you'd do in a boxing match against a heavyweight like Deontay Wilder?" Um, as I said earlier, uh, I would. I think I really believe I can do great for a boxing match for uh, a guy like a Deontay Wilder. But uh, don't get me wrong. But I think um, I will need more time to get prepared. You know, uh, it's not a joke. Those guys, they are not a joke. And even though I'm very confident that I'm, I can do, uh, I can do great. I pay respect for their job and for what they are doing, for what they are, uh, their experience, what they are uh, professional for. So yes, I can do great with a good training maybe with maybe with Haley on my corner <laughs> and Tyson for for a few months or for one year mm -hmm. I'll be ready all right question from um from uh Sensei Sama said how did the Stipe loss affect you and what improvements have you made since then well um how yeah he affects me that, that's very obvious. You can just look up to my next fight and see how that affects me. <laughs> and improvement, uh, I would say one thing, I would just put it on the following fight after um, the fight again uh, against Lewis. Uh, that was the improvement, you know, like uh, I have a better understanding on the... Uh, on the fighting business uh, and more experience. You know, um, me entering the octagon, that day, entering the walking through to the arena that day uh, wasn't the same guy of me walking out of the arena uh, that day. And uh, yes, that's how he, he helped me to improve. The last one got a million upvotes. I didn't want to ask you this, but someone typed this question and about 300 people said, yes, please ask this question. What's the largest animal you think you could knock out? And like I say, uh, not trying to be foolish, but so many people asked this question and liked it. Rob is telling me we have to ask this. Um, I don't want to overhype myself, but... Uh, <laughs> I cannot tell because I don't know the strength of those animals. I don't, I don't know how tough their, chin, their chins are. So, <laughs> I mean, like just to make fun, I would say a lion, but I know that's not true. <laughs> you like know, a I true know Cameroonian. True. Yes. No, 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 that's not true. I don't know. You know I mean, what? You know what? You... Muhammad Ali used to turn the fighters 
into the he would name them after animals so he named Sonny Liston the bear and he knocked out the bear so you would name one of these guys one of these whether it's a bear whatever and then you go and you knock out the person with the name of the animal just like just like Muhammad Ali I think that's the best way yes okay that that on that way I think I could knock out any type of animal <laughs> in that way yes, yes but for 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 the real way uh it's kind of tough to say how about a bear without claws we take the claws off because it's not fair you don't have claws so we take the claws off we put gloves on them and then with uh you boxing with the abilities that you're learning I think you have a good shot to land one on the bat <laughs> the only thing that I don't know is the same thing you don't know I just don't know how good a chin the bears have that, I don't... that's the problem that's, that's all the that's all the problem that's the, that's the biggest question Francis is how good a chin you know Guys, another quick pause here to give a shout out to the guys at DynamicStriking.com. They've been a great partner for us. Teddy filmed a series of uh, tutorials with them, boxing tutorials. He goes over, like I said earlier, a number of different techniques, including proper pad work, shadow boxing, heavy bag, heavy bag exercises, and tons more. Again, if you're interested in learning from the master... This is the best place to get that education short of training with Teddy himself. And if you can get him to do that with you, good luck. But in the meantime, you can check out dynamicstriking.com. Again, use the promo code TEDDY20 for 20% off your purchase. Well, Francis, I know it's getting late. I know it's getting late in Cameroon and we want to be sensitive to your time. And before I forget, I just want to remind people if they like what Francis has had to say, and I'm sure they will, you can check out the Francis Ngannou Foundation.org and we'll link to that on our show notes and we'll put it in the YouTube and the um, podcast notes. But I want to make sure I mention that. And for Teddy's uh, foundation, you can go to the Dr. Atlas Foundation.org, both great causes that help a lot of great people um i just wanted to get that in with i didn't want to tell you we, we, we were signing off but i want to be sensitive i know it's late in cameroon and we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and um teddy do you have anything else for francis no just that the check that i pledged from our foundation was send it out tomorrow it'll be sent out rob will will give me all the information and um we'll send it out to your foundation to, to help you with the cause of what you're doing, which is a great, great, great cause over there. I just want to say, just keep being the person that you are. That's your greatest strength. And I have no doubt that you will be a world champion, but a world champion that represents the best things in life, that represents to people that you can do anything if you're willing to pay the price, if you have the belief behind your hope, you can do anything. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how many times you've been on the floor in life. It doesn't matter how unfair life has been to you, that you can make life fair just by having the character to face the things without making excuses, but instead having reasons to do what you want to do. 
And you're a great example. You're, you're a humble, good person. You're as big and strong as hell. <laughs> but like I said, that, that would not mean a damn thing to me if you didn't have the character and the strength that you possess as a person. It was very, very nice talking to you. And I wish you nothing but luck. Thank you very much for everything, Terry. Thank you. Uh, and I want to take the opportunity to say thank you uh, on the behalf of the foundation, on the behalf of those kids who's, which is going to benefit from the donation of uh, the $3,000. Uh, $3, I want to say thank you uh, for um, on their behalf. And uh, we appreciate your support, uh, your support. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. And I, I'll tell you one thing. If you ever did meet a bear, they better have a good chin. <laughs> yeah. They better, they better have a good chin. <laughs> well, Francis, yeah. I want to thank you for joining us from Cameroon. We really appreciate it. Much love. Good luck with everything. We'll be following your career closely, and we look forward to meeting you when you're in the U.S. the next time. Thank you for being with us. Okay, thank you, Ken. And say uh, hi to Rob. I think he's here. He's hiding <laughs> he sees somewhere you. there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank, thank okay. you, Francis. Thank you, guys. Take care. Have a wonderful Take care, day. Francis. Bye-bye.